Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Alright, so this morning I want to start um, by taking a short poll, okay? This is not to shame anybody, okay? No shame in this. Um, how many of you still have your Christmas tree up? Great. Thank you for that because you're going to help me with this morning's uh, sermon. Um, second, second question. What do you have on top of your Christmas tree? Do you have a star or do you have an angel? Star people, hold your hand up. Even if you've taken your tree down, hold it up. All right. Angel people, hold your hands up. Wow. Okay, the angels win over the stars, but that doesn't mean anything. The reason I ask this first question is Christmas, from the Christ follower's perspective, traditionally, from the Christ follower perspective, we traditionally celebrate uh, it is not truly over until this very day, January 6th, which is the day that we celebrate what's known as the Epiphany, the day we traditionally celebrate that, that the visit of the wise men occurred in the manger. And the reason I ask the second question is, I think there are really two types of people around Christmas. There are star people and there are angel people. Now, biblically, the angel represents those who had been waiting for the Messiah, for a sign from God for a long time, like the shepherds, for instance. They knew that the angel meant what the angel meant when he told them about a Savior and a Messiah. And they remembered the old prophecies, and they remembered all of this with great anticipation. The angel fits the biblical narrative of Christmas. Now the star was for, the, was for those that were still searching, those that were unsure, those who still had questions, those on a quest to find out about this mystery, and the message from God wrapped up in human flesh in swaddling clothes. And guys, when we think of star folks, those are the people like the Magi. Okay, Those are the people that we call the wise men who were searching for this child that would be different from any other child. And that's what the epiphany really means. A friend of mine reminded me that God sent both the angel and the star because God always meets you and me at the point of our need, not just simply to go ahead and say, you only have to have cookie cutter one kind of people who can be Christ followers. That's why he has you and me here today. Today is the traditional day of what is known as Epiphany, where the Messiah is revealed to the world. And it's usually associated with the scripture, with Matthew chapter 2. But he is, he is revealed also to you and me. And God wants you and me to go ahead and be folks that, that are willing to see and seek out Jesus at every point of our life. Because it teaches you and me about the Lord. And the scripture we're going to look at this morning is one that we look at every year. It tells us about the wonderful kids that, that were around Jesus at that time. And, and also, guys, listen to me. When we have children's sermon up here, I thoroughly enjoy it because I, I get to watch Ross and, and, and Joe squirm. There's something wonderful about that. 
because our kids have, have minds that are active. They oftentimes don't have filters on their mouth, and so they will ask things, they will say things that none of us would, would dare to do. And guys, that's the very story that we're going to look at this morning regarding our Savior. It's found in Luke chapter 2. It's a very familiar story. If you've been here at First Baptist or if you've read your Bible, it's a very familiar story. It's about Jesus as a young child being taken to the temple. He's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of the same age these kids were, probably about 10 to 12 years old. And, and, and when he goes there, you find a story not just of, of him being lost by Mary and Joseph, but something far deeper. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 52. And I'm going to invite you to stand together as we read together God's Word. We stand to honor the reading of His Word together. Read with me. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he had become twelve, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending a full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. <clears throat> we read this, we normally think of Jesus getting left behind. Mom and dad left him there just as the one true horror of every parent is. I will forget my, where my kid is and I will have that inner pain of trying to find them. Then when I find them, I generally do what Mary does, which is rejoice that they're okay and then what in the world were you doing there? Guys, there's a lot more to this story than that. You see, Jesus grew like you and me. He grew like you and me just differently. The Bible says that he grew physically and mentally and emotionally, and he grew in the favor of both God and man. He had the same biologic function that you and I have had from, from the time that we were born until the time of this very moment. I share that with you because Jesus was, in fact, completely, totally, and absolutely human. Please don't look at the fact that He is God's Son and that somehow makes Him immune from every hurt or heartache. 
there had to have been times where he fell down and skinned his knee and his mother Mary came and grabbed him and kissed him and made it better. There had to have been a time where Jesus looked at his friends that he played with and as he played with them, he felt the same pressures that that all kids do. The same hurt when a friend turns away. All of these things that you and I have experienced, Jesus, the Bible says, He was fully man and He experienced everything you and I have, yet without sin. He grew up just like you and me, only different. And this trip to the temple was a rite of passage for any Jewish boy. This would have been been known to Jesus as as what we call now his bar mitzvah. A bar mitzvah is, is Hebrew words, two words, bar meaning son of, and mitzvah meaning the covenant. This was the time that Jesus went to, to fully, truly be recognized because after this day, he was considered a man in Jewish culture. He was considered a man. This was his coming out party, if you want to call it that. This is why there's a problem with Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, when they leave Jerusalem later. He was a man and therefore should have traveled only with the men. However, Joseph, his earthly dad, is the guy that's just a kid. Well, let me ask you a question here, folks. Legally, in the state of Texas, you are a, an adult at 18 years old. Okay? Everybody nod your head. Got that one right. Joe, if I mess this up, you correct me instantly. Now, legally, there are some caveats that go along with that, and you're recognized to be able to, to, to do other things, which as Baptists we won't mention, when you reach 21. But guys, let me ask you a question. Would you consider your child, even if they're grown up, consider this this possibility that at 12 years old, they are an adult. Let me see how many of you all would say, hey, I'm good with that. You're, no, no. (laughs) She's, She's like, hey, that sounds good to me. No, 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 no. This is for the adults only. Nobody. But in Jewish culture, To become a son of the covenant meant that you were, from that time on, viewed as an adult. And Jesus is left behind by his earthly dad, Joseph, because he's just a kid in his eyes. This was also the time that Jesus came to know and grew to understand who he really was. Years ago, in the 1950s and 60s, it actually started immediately after the war. A fellow by the name of Art Linkletter had a show. Now, it was a radio show first, and then it became a television show in the 1950s and later in the 1960s. And it was called, and, and th- okay, anybody who can remember this, and I'm not talking about YouTube, and all that, anybody that remembers actually watching this show after I announced it, stop that, stop! Stop. Put your, put your house party. How many of you remember house party? Art Linkletter. No? 
Well, one segment, it was actually, Art comes out and he does, he, he does some jokes. He, has an inter, he generally has a guest that he interviews. And then he ends up having a segment at the very end, and there's a reason it was at the very end, a part that he said was called Kids Say the Darndest Things. Y'all remember that? Okay, great. Y'all with me. We're tracking them. Good. Now, one of the really cool things about that show was None of it was scripted, and you have to understand this is a different day. There was no delay. What, this was a live program, and whatever was said went out. Scary stuff. Especially if you ask, for instance, what can you do with a tennis ball? And I have a little tennis ball, and I tossed it to that young lady over there, and when she got the tennis ball, She's embarrassed because the pastor gave her a tennis ball, and she said, what if you don't have a tennis ball? You got one now, honey. And as she's got that ball, she's now going, what in the heck am I going to do with this tennis ball? You're going to play with it. Have a blast with it. Not in church. She's going to have a blast with it. Guys, listen to me. That I can handle, but coming up with a microphone and asking a kid a question today, different day, different kid. Art Linkletter decided that he would go ahead and do this. And then that, as a matter of fact, they did say the darndest things. Imagine being in the temple when this amazing child begins to ask questions that no child has ever asked before and then comments about them. What you see here on Sunday ought to bring this story to our mind every time happily. God is at work at all times in young lives and in young minds. Jesus then, when he was at the temple, found out and knew who he was. And I've got a question for you this morning. Do you know who Jesus is? While he's at the temple, he discovers, the Bible had said he had grown, he discovers in his mind who God is and who his heavenly Father is. And that's the reason when Mary and Joseph finally take take their tardy time of showing up the very place where they dropped Jesus off. By the way, if you lose a child, go back to where you last saw him first. Mary and Joseph take three days before they do that. Travel back, get there, look around, can't find him, look some more. And they finally go, let's go back to the temple. That's where we dropped him off. And when they find him there, Mary simply says to Jesus, how could you do this to your mom and pop? We've been looking all over for you. And Jesus' answer, listen to me, tells what he has learned. Why were you looking for me when you knew I would be in? He knew who his daddy was. That's what happened to Jesus during this temple time. That's what happened. Guys, that's what you and I have to discover as well. We have to have our own epiphany. That epiphany is where all of a sudden we say, I know who Jesus is. And not just have a head knowledge of who Jesus is, but instead have a heart conviction. There's a big difference. I can understand everything about the Bible and simply be vacant of a relationship with God. I've shared with you that when I was a student at SMU, I had one of the best biblical scholars ever. His name was Joe, 
<coughs> Joe Tyson. And Joe Tyson, sadly, had served for years and years and years in the United Methodist Church. This is no slam towards our Methodist brothers and sisters. None at all. Don't read that into what I'm going to say. But he took his Bible and he said, this is what we're going to study. And he took it and he slung it across the room and it hit the wall and it slid down the wall into a pile of pages. And he said, ooh, look, no lightning bolt came down and hit me from heaven. It's just a book. Now guys, I'm going to share with you a truth. He's half right. The Bible says that it is nonsense and preaching is nonsense to an unbeliever. Joe Tyson is completely completely correct on that. To him, it's just a book. But guys, listen to me. It is, in fact, the living Word of God. It is alive. It is not a... Oh boy. Yeah, you better. All right. It is not a static document. This thing lives... It lives because it tells the story of a living Savior, not one that was crucified, dead, and buried only, but one that was resurrected. And when He was resurrected, the Holy Spirit becomes that presence of God here on earth and in your life. So when you read this, God begins to take the words in here and He begins to apply them to you. If you're here this morning and you'd say, you know, I... I, I don't know that I'm a Christ follower. I don't know that I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you the good news. A lightning bolt is not going to go ahead and strike you dead because you are still a star person, still searching, trying to find out everything you can about this Messiah. The living Word of God allows you and me the privilege of being able to discover who God is. To discover who He is. And Jesus, while He's in the temple, discovered who He was. He was both man and God at that very moment. But just like your little boys and girls grow up to understand more and more about the creation that God has made, Jesus did the same thing. That's the miracle of when we read this story of knowing who God is. Let me ask you another question. How old were you when you discovered who you were in God? Okay, this is not a this is not, this isn't this is a question I want a couple of y'all to how old were you, Sam, when you when you discovered who God was? You were thirteen, all right? That was only a hundred years ago, buddy. All right. Eighty years ago, all right? Pretty cool. How old were you? Guy, how old were you? 29. Al Blue, how old were you? Nine years old. Great. James, how old were you? Nine seems to be a good, a good year among the Baptist folks here. Guys, listen to me. There ought to be a time where you can say, at this point in my life, I began to discover who God was. Now, in my case, it was a revelation that took a couple of three years because I am a hard, stubborn-hearted man. And I had to come to the place where I had tried everything else except Jesus in order to accept Him. But when I was 17 years old, I can remember in the upstairs bedroom of my parents' house, 
saying, God, if this isn't some cruel joke. My friend Chuck had been sharing Christ with me. I said, make me like him. Now, that's not a really good prayer to invite Jesus into your heart. But it was good enough for God. He waits for you right now, star people, angel people, to reveal himself, to have an epiphany, for you to understand who he really is. One of the other questions I think you ought to ask yourself is not only how old were you when you discovered who you were, <coughs> were in God, but how did it happen? And where were you when it happened? And who did you tell about it after it happened? These things are important. Guys, the reason it's important is because our scripture this morning, Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 52, tells all of those things. It tells not only where Jesus was, what the circumstances were, but what happened afterwards and how, how the world became, became absolutely consumed with the story of Jesus, the Messiah. And it interestingly goes ahead and shares a couple of, of, of other things. You see, God, God wants you and me to know Him. You must have your own personal epiphany. He is a personal God, and He works around your life in all ways, at all times. Don't just look to find Him here at First Baptist Church. He is far too big to be locked in a box or at this location only. His real desire is to be revealed fully by coming and being a part of your life, and not just a part, but the central part of your life. That comes by faith. It doesn't come by walking an aisle. It doesn't come by being baptized. It doesn't come by joining a church. It comes by a faith relationship that God wants to establish in your heart this morning so that you'll have the epiphany of knowing who Jesus is. It is when you announce the coming of the Messiah in your life. But guys, we do this every Sunday. At the end of each service, we sing a song before the offering. Everyone stands. Usually at the time, Joe and I are standing here at the altar. By the way, Joe is not here this morning. Joe and Heather welcomed a wonderful little girl, Abigail, to their home. Joe now does not trust anyone in the first and second grade boy, or first and one and two-year-old boys class over here in Sunday school now. No guy will ever be trusted by Joe again. But Joe and I generally stand here at the altar area during this song that Ross leads. This is the time in the service that you can respond to God's call on your life to announce that you are His child, to join His church, or to state that you're going to serve Him in some special way. We do this publicly for a couple of reasons. Number one, it fits exactly what Jesus did. He lived publicly for God and He died publicly for you and me. So for us to confess faith in Him publicly is what we ought to do. It, it sets the biblical example. Second reason, it is a great way to encourage others to do the same and to, de to demonstrate that God is still at work in our midst. You see, the real truth of this is He is the one that wants you to grow up in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man too. The very things that Luke 2.52 says that happened to Jesus, He wants them to happen to your life right now. 
And part of it means that you grow to the place where you can say yes to Him. Where you can say yes to God. I hope you notice the end of today's verse, that verse 52. It's one of my favorites in all of the Bible. Jesus grew in his mind. He knew who he was and what his destiny was to fulfill God's plan. So many of us in this room are still searching for that very thing in our lives. He grew physically. He got taller, stronger, more able to do the work of a man. By the way, do you all know what Jesus' actual occupation was? What his actual occupation? We oftentimes don't even talk. What was he, his, his, what was it? He was a carpenter. Let me ask you a question. How many construction guys do you see that are wimps? Don't ever believe the little pictures that are sometimes drawn of Jesus where he's some kind of willowy little hippie guy that, that is, is hanging on a cross. This was a grown man who worked with his hands, who worked outside. He didn't have power tools. He used the tools that a carpenter would have used. He grew physically. The Bible says he also pleased God and man. People looked on Jesus and liked what they saw. So did Jesus' heavenly Father. All of these things God desires in your life as well today. For you to announce your faith in Him and your next step with Him. And to announce the epiphany that you believe. Well folks, it's that very time that I talked about a moment ago. What do you believe today? What is your epiphany? My hope and prayer is that you believe Jesus is your Messiah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the next few minutes, you use this time for your glory and yours only. I do know, Lord, there are some here today that need to take their next step with you to say yes to you as their Lord and Savior to announce the epiphany that they have discovered who you really are and that you desire them and desire to go ahead and be, be the single part of their life that matters most. Father, I do believe there are folks here today that say this is the place I want to plant my life and the church family. And God, I believe that that time is today and that time is now. Father, I do believe there are others that you're speaking to them about a particular need that they have. Thank you that you... You have both star people and angel people. Thank you that you have people that you will meet right where they are. Meet us now. Speak to our heart. and May our answer be yes. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Stand together. As we sing together, if God is speaking to your heart about a decision that needs to be made, I'll be here at our altar. You come during this song as God leads.